This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at mediaweek.com.au. Welcome to a new Media Week podcast. I'm Crudy Joshi, the digital editor at Media Week, and today I have with me Judith Whelan, the new editor of the Sydney Morning Herald. Hi, Judith. Hello. How are you? Good. Um, So Darren was meant to be joining us, who's the editor-in-chief of the Sydney Morning Herald, but he's been crook for the past few days, and so we hope him a speedy recovery. Oh, yes, um, very much. Um, I'm expecting to see him back next week, though, for the beginning of the celebration of 185 years of the Sydney Morning Herald. You have a few things going on. Sydney Morning Herald, the first edition, was published on 18th April, 1831, only four pages and costed about seven pence. Now, you, you look at the evolution of it, it just seems like a crazy, crazy ride. Well, not so crazy as um, important, you know, vital, um, interesting, uh, you know, just so central to everything that has happened in Sydney, in Australia, in the rest of the world in that time. Um, since that first publication date, Sydney Morning Herald has become very much a part of the lives of its readers and now, of course, of its huge digital audiences through our digital platforms. Um, And through all of that time, actually, the Herald has remained very much a sort of organ of not just telling people what's going on, but a centre for debate, for people to come to share ideas, to find out ideas, and to then take those ideas and take them off and use them in their own communities, in their own conversations. And so, I mean, you joined, I mean, you started in the new role in March, and so you joined between a lot of crazy things going on, and so how was that? Okay, so by crazy things, I suppose you mean the the constant sort of change that's going on in our industry. Um, that's fine. Change has been uh, a part of my career for the past 30 years, uh, so there's nothing new there, really. Uh, and what's terrific about the Sydney Morning Herald is that it, you know, it kind of takes on those challenges. It's able to adapt to what its audiences are wanting and, you know, able to deliver the journalism that it's creating um, across its many platforms. Um, You know, a lot of people look back to the time when there was just print and they say, oh, isn't it terrible that the world isn't like that anymore? I actually think it's much more exciting now. Um, In the latest Emma figures that came out, we have, you know, almost 6 million. In February, we had almost 6 million people coming to our journalism across all of our platforms. 20 years ago, we wouldn't have been able to say that. We would have been very proud about our, you know, 2 million readers of the Saturday newspaper. And now we've got, we are, you know, accessing so many more people. And not just that, but more and more people in the community are actually consuming journalism of all forms. And as a journalist first, that's immensely exciting. Um, So your 185th Young Birthday celebrations kick off next week. So what's in store? What are you doing to celebrate the occasion? Okay, well, we're doing it across many different platforms again. Um, The newspaper is going to be wrapped with a 16-page wrap, which will have um, a really exciting cover. I won't give that away. Uh, (laughs) But also... Also a collection of the most amazing um, page ones over that, you know, enormous length of time. Plus we'll have pieces from some of our star journalists, some of our best-known and best-loved 
journalists. There'll be pieces on investigations, pieces on um, you know sport over 185 years. Um, Private Sydney will have a page in there on you know sort of gossip and the celebrities and personalities that have been featured in the Sydney Morning Herald over that time. Paul McGough, our chief correspondent, has written a fantastic piece actually about how the Herald has covered the world in that time. We'll have photographs, um, um, a letter from Darren Goodzer, and it will be um, actually a great surprise in the centre spread of that. Uh, again, which I'm not going to go away, you're going to have to buy the paper to see it, but um, it is great fun. And then online every day we'll be rolling out special things. Um, there'll be quizzes, interactives. Um, I think we are, you know, even maybe blogging um, one of the great historical events that the Sydney Morning Herald covered a few years ago, as in, as in going back and looking at how we might cover it now, and I'm really looking forward to reading that. So great fun things to take us into the history of the Herald, which is essentially the history of Sydney and of Australia and of the communities around them. So 16-page wrap seems like a huge deal for a weekday paper because it's going to be 16 pages more. So when did the work on this begin? Oh, well... A few months ago, we started planning it, um, and this week, I suppose, there's been fairly intense work on it. But no, for the past month, I think people have been focusing on it. Um, you know, people have been setting aside a time to write these things. We've had digital producers going over the copy um, and putting all of the digital assets onto them. Um, we advertised it in with a great big puff in the paper today, uh, and over the weekend, we'll be sort of putting the finishing finishing touches to it. So your weekend's going to be dedicated to the Monday paper? <laughs> no, no, no. I've, you know, kind of organised my time. Because in the meantime, we're still, you know, bringing, bringing the news that's happening now uh, to our audiences. So we've, you know, we have to keep publishing. Um, you know, our audiences are very demanding now. They expect, they expect our mobile site to tell them immediately what's going on. They expect there to be a great mix of stories there so that they can choose what they might want to read as they're travelling to work or travelling home or what they might want to share with their friends as they're sitting down after dinner and, you know, watching television and looking at the Sydney Morning Herald at the same time. So we're very aware of that. And we another exciting thing about sort of the new world of journalism is that we can know so much about our audiences, about how they want us to deliver news to them, about what they want to read... And so we are keeping up with that demand. And so as part of the celebrations, you also have a new website that you've developed that looks over the history of the Sydney Morning Herald? Well, we've got a special landing page that you can go to from our homepage that will feature all of the journalism that we've created, especially around this celebration, um, and allow you to dive deeply into it. So we'll be putting up, for instance, some of our original newspapers, like digital replicas of them. So you can go back to that first page one and you will need to blow up the screen quite a bit because it's really dense. If you look at it, it's kind of like a, you know, a tablecloth of, of stories, really. Uh, there is very little white space on there. There are thousands of words on just one page. But it's fascinating to go back and see how people consumed news in those days and also what the stories were about. Um, they were very establishment. Uh, women weren't featured in them very much, it's not surprising to say. Um, and it's great to compare that original 
front page from 185 years ago with one now. Um, and in fact, in the wrap, one of our um, long-serving editors, Max Prisk, has written us a piece about the history that um, sort of the history of the paper, the history of Sydney um, as the paper grew up with Sydney. Uh, and that's a fascinating piece, which you can read and then go online to see the, the replicas of the um, page ones that he's talking about. So how do you reckon the audience would um, react to a paper being published in the style that it was published when it was, you know, say in 1831? Um, well, they'd have to get out their magnifying glass probably. I, I think they would see it as a curiosity, which of course it would be to today's audience. I mean, news is not relevant really unless it is written for the audience who's going to consume it. So they'd see it as a historical document. But it's, you know, it's a fabulous one. It's a valuable one. Um, and interestingly, I think that uh, Malcolm Turnbull actually gave a replica of that to Obama when he met him. Uh, um, he took it over with him to Washington in, for that first meeting between the president and the prime minister. Um, because, you know, it's iconic in that sense. You know, this was, this was the first major city newspaper published in Australia, you know, it's the oldest metro newspaper in Australia. And it's the beginning of, and that represents the beginning of debate in Australia, really, the beginning of the exchange of ideas in a public forum. And that's still what the Sydney Morning Herald is. So as, again, as part of the celebrations, you have a lot of things happening for subscribers and one of them is live events that you're going to host next week. Could you tell me a little bit about that? Yes. So they're centred around one of our journalists. Um, I'll be hosting all of them. So on Monday we have I'm, – I'm in conversation with Peter Fitzsimons who is uh, one of our most popular columnists. Um, he's also, of course, a you know, writer of his history, um, is – chairman of the ARM at the moment. He's, um, he's a great big personality with great big ideas, just so entertaining, so knowledgeable um, and so in touch actually with our readers. So that sold out very, very quickly. Um, on Tuesday, I'm very excited about this. I'm in conversation with Adele Ferguson, who is an investigative journalist who covers business. Recently, she has covered, um, uh, you know, bad goings-on in financial planning in the Commonwealth Bank, also the NAB, and also um, recently exposed uh, the underpaying of workers in 7-Eleven. Now, there have been changes that have come out of all of that journalism and the debate at the moment around whether there should be a royal commission into the banks, which the government is saying, no, 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 that's what ASIC is for, um, that's actually going on at the moment, is a direct result of her reporting. Um, and then on Wednesday, I'm in conversation with Kate McClymont, which I'm also, I'm, you know, I'm really excited about all of these, actually. Um, Kate is another of our investigative journalists who, she's, um, she's won the Gold Walkley. She's won many Walkley Awards for her exposés of corruption. Um, she is the one who you know, has led to many changes in New South Wales politics. She, of course, exposed the, um, the corrupt dealings within the New South Wales Parliament related to Eddie O'Bead. Um, and she is sort of tireless and indefatigable, really, in her, in her desire to sort of expose liars, really, expose the people who are just trying to pull the wool over everybody's eyes. Um, 
and she's amazingly successful at that. And again, that was one that sold out within seconds in a way. Um, and then on Thursday, uh, again, one of our most popular columnists um, and a man who has taught generations of school children actually about how to read the economy and to understand the economy and that's Ross Gittins who is our chief economics writer um, a columnist in business and also in the pages of the Sydney Morning Herald who is immensely wise um, and knowing about the effects of the economy on everyday lives on the running of countries uh, who you know whose knowledge is just huge and then on Friday, um, I get to interview my boss, Darren Goodsir, the editor-in-chief of the Sydney Morning Herald. <laughs> That'll be interesting. Two things that I really pulled out from that is, one, when I was in high school, Ross Gittins was one of my authors that I had to study and look at his articles and follow him religiously. Second one, in interviewing Darren Goodsir, it's always a different feeling when you're interviewing your boss, isn't it? Well, I think he thinks he's going to be interviewing me a bit, really. It's more like in conversation. But the best thing about these sessions is that subscribers will be able to ask questions of us. And I have, I've hosted subscriber sessions before. You know, we care about our subscribers. We really appreciate their loyalty to the paper. And, um, you know, I'm a subscriber to the paper as well as, uh, as being its editor. Uh, and that's what... You know, that's what they actually really like. They um, they love hearing sort of behind the scenes of the Sydney Morning Herald, how the paper's put together, how the website's put together, how we go about journalism. And that's really what we'll be talking about. Um, but they also like the chance to ask specific questions of us. And so there'll be time in these sessions for people to come up and meet the journalists, be able to ask questions about how we do what we do. Um, and also about specific stories. And I think there'll be a lot of that on Friday. Um, so, I mean, like you mentioned, some of these live events have been sold out. Um, are you looking to do more of these in the future just to get the brand name out there and obviously, you know, get that face-to-face -face interaction with the readers? We do quite a lot already, but we are upping that. Yes, definitely. We have... Um, at the moment, we've developed a subscriber hub, actually, online, where subscribers can go, and we've got specific content that subscribers can access through that hub. Um, great behind-the-scenes videos about some of the major stories that we've had recently. There's, a, um, there's an amazing video on um, Julia Medju's story on the big sleep. Again, another story about uh, two people who, who were nearing death and decided to take matters into their own hands that got a tremendous readership online and we've got an amazing video where Julia actually talks about securing access to that story how how the family kind of invited her in to be able to tell their story to her um, and as well Tom Allard has um, has done some pieces around um, a piece of his that ran in Good Weekend where he managed to interview um, Bronson um, blessing him, I think his last name is, um, one of the killers of Janine Balding, a terrible, terrible murder that took place in Sutherland many years ago. Uh, and Bronson was only 14 when that happened, but even so was sentenced um, to life, never to be released for that murder. And Tom was looking at the morality, I suppose, around that decision, you know, terrible crime, but also a terrible effect from it. And um, Bronson, since he's been in prison, um, um, you know, has become a Christian, is now working with other um, prisoners on rehabilitation. And 
Tom just got amazing access, and, and this story as well was read by everybody on that weekend, shared around the world. Um, and through the Subscriber Hub, you can go in and see Tom talking about how he sort of talked his way into the prison, how he got that interview. Um, and and that we are getting lots of people coming to that already. But through the year, at least once a month, we will be having um, sessions where subscribers can come to a much bigger venue, you know, sort of 300 people at a time, can come to hear some of our journalists speak about specific topics. We'll be having some around the upcoming budget to, you know, fill people in on details, you know, what the budget means for them. We'll be looking, we'll be having others on investigative reporting, on, you know, crime reporting, on political reporting. And often around subjects, you know, a few years ago I did one in the lead-up to the um, centenary anniversary of Anzac Day uh, with, in fact, Peter Fitzsimons, and who has written so much about Gallipoli, about Tobruk, um, and Kate Geraghty, who is um, one of our photographers who's amazingly brave and has been into so many conflict zones and taken extraordinary pictures. Again, a Gold Walkley winner, photographer of the year many times. Um, and she and Peter, in conversation with me, we had this great night where we talked about the dangers facing foreign correspondents who go into war zones, the sort of interest in war, why we are fascinated by it, what questions it raises for us, um, how the different ways in which we have told stories of conflict over the 185 years of the Herald. And um, again, we had, you know, we had about 300 people in the room and we, you know, the venue had to almost push us out because people were so keen to ask questions. <laughs> and so, yes, we'll be doing lots of them. So watch this space, you know, look for the, look for the ads, go onto the site, see when the next one is and put your hand up. Now, you mentioned a lot about how Sydney Mor uh, Morning Herald is like a forum for debates. Um, people online do not shy away from, you know, putting mm. in, like, just bearing their hearts out, really. Do you find some of those coming to your events, and are you prepared for it mentally? Yes, we are. We are. Um, and often, actually, people in the audience um, will try to shut down any questioning which is which is going in the wrong direction. But um, all of them I try to moderate with a sense of respect for other people in the room. So, you know, I won't accept any kind of abusive comments. I'm very happy to say, you know, I will take that as a comment in the Tony Jones way. But generally, um, you know, that's actually very rare. Generally, people come along with genuine questions that are interesting and that, and that extend the debate. Our subscribers, our readers, are, are very clever. They're in touch with what's going on. That's why they're coming to the Herald, because they want to know what's going on. They are, they're curious. They are interested in other people. They are concerned for other people. Um, there's a great social awareness amongst our readership and with our subscribers. And people are respectful of each other, generally. And, and so they're great events, because you've, you've got all of these interesting, disparate people in the room. And, you know, the conversation can go in so many different areas. Um, so we were talking about the quality of the Sydney Morning Herald and there's been this recently been this whole debate about, you know, going on how um, quantity and quality relate to each other. And so when replying to criticisms about, you know, the decisions to cut the decision to cut 120 jobs last month, Fairfax boss Greg Haywood um, 
pointed out that when he joined the business in 1975, the Fin Review, for example, had fifth of the journalists that it has today, and the Sydney Morning Herald only have had 75. Um, and he called that work a river of gold. Um, so he made his point saying that, you know, quantity doesn't impact quality. Now, that was his point of view. What do you have to say about this? Look, I think that's true. You know, our newsrooms have grown as our platforms have grown. Um, and I, you know, we are, quality is the most important thing for us. You know, sort of, so 40 years ago, I suppose, or 50 years ago, the Herald might have thought of itself as a paper of record. You know, people use that term, people, you know. I'm the first one to say it's no longer a paper of record. A paper of record meant that, you know, anything that happened in Sydney was in the Sydney Morning Herald. It was almost like if it hadn't been in the Sydney Morning Herald, it hadn't happened. And so you would cover everything, um, absolutely everything, you know, fates, school openings to, you know, the opening of Parliament to the sacking of a Prime Minister. Now we know that people are not interested in all of that. You know, people... There is so much going on out there in the world that people come to the Sydney Morning Herald to not just find out what's going on but to know what's important, to know what people are talking about and to know the main, you know, the, the things that are occupying the national debate. They also come for diversion. They also come to read about other people they've never read about before. Um, I, I still love the fact that we, you know, we do stories that, that can kind of hit you out of the blue. You're scrolling through your mobile phone and you see a story about, um, I don't know, you know, something you've never thought about uh, that you suddenly are drawn to read and you go away thinking, well, that was a person I'd never thought about before, but they've had lots to tell me and I'm going to think about that through my day. So, so what we're able to do is gauge from the audience what they want to know and we're able to kind of focus on those stories. There are some stories which we will always focus on and that we know our readership want, you know, stories about what's going on in New South Wales with education, with health, um, in our court system, with our, you know, justice policy. We've had some terrific stories about the sort of fight between, you know, the powers of the police and the Attorney General in New South Wales in recent days. You know, what the policy is around the stadiums, that's been a huge story. There's been enormous interest in the 60 Minutes, this terrible story of the 60 Minutes crew detained in Lebanon um, over the bungled sort of, you know, what appears to be a kidnapping attempt. In, in all of those stories, I would argue that we are producing quality journalism. We are breaking news. So we are, you know, the, on, we were the first to break the news that there had actually been a decision about what we were going to do with our stadiums. And we're talking about millions and millions of dollars of public money here and also about things which are going to affect sports that people love. Um, you know, we're breaking news in the 60 Minutes story. Where all of those stories, we have actually broken major news in them. The stories have been balanced. They have been accurate. They have gone to both sides of the story. And, you know, there are not just both sides to a story. There are often ten sides to a story. And they've been presented with, you know, elements that readers can go into and get fast facts from. So with the stadium story, you know, there was a list of the major points. You know, there were comment pieces around it. There was analysis around it. The sort of depth of coverage is part of the quality of what we do. 
And that has not changed. In fact, it's got better. You know, we are, we are telling stories in different ways, in more innovative ways, and in ways that are reaching a much wider audience than we ever have before. And, and so quality remains central to what we are doing. So once that news did break about 120 job cuts, there was a, it was trending, it was spoken about everywhere and a lot of readers' concerns were, you know, what about the quality? So do you think that once the um, plan has been executed and, you know, whatever's meant to happen will happen, um, do you reckon that quality will stay? How do you reassure your readers? That we will, we will keep choosing to do the stories that they want to read. So we will focus on what's important to them and what's core and central to what we do. Look, there is no media organisation in the world that is not having to look at itself constantly and adapt to the changing markets out there. Um, we don't know what new device is going to be developed by you know, the technology companies. The, the big disruptor to media throughout the whole world has been technology. And in a market economy, people are going to, you know, the devices that they want to use to get news quickly. You know, I said earlier in this interview that I was excited about the fact that more and more people than ever before are accessing journalism. And, you know, that means that the industry is changing so rapidly that every single media organisation in the world is having to transform itself. And that transformation inevitably means that new jobs will emerge and jobs which had been around for a long time might disappear. And so what we're going through now is part of that transformation. That transformation is necessary, is essential for us still to be able to deliver news to audiences who want them. And that's that will be central to how we manage this and, you know, we're not going to lose sight of that. You know, the Sydney Morning Herald is going to be here for a very long time delivering stories in increasing ever new ways to audiences. If we don't do that, we will shrivel up and die. We have to keep changing. We have to keep adapting to what our audiences want from us. And, you know, if it means we have to dance pretty quickly, that's okay. We'll do it. I like that you just danced there a little bit. Um, so, I mean, you weren't a new face to Fairfax at the time. I mean, a lot of people would have seen you as around as the news director. Um, but when that did happen, you were kind of a new face as the editor of Sydney Morning Herald. So how did you handle the situation? Because on the one side, you'd understand the business de decision. But on the other side, as a journalist yourself, you would have understood the sentiments that all your journals were going through. So how do you handle that? Well, you you know, you talk a lot about it. Um, you're very open about it. You, you know, you work with the staff in the newsroom very openly. Um, I have a great relationship with, you know, just about everybody in the newsroom. I Yes, you're right. I have been there for a long time. Um, one media writer described me as a popular veteran in one story, which which was okay. <laughs> that was, you know, veteran maybe not so. But um, um, look... Uh, we have a fantastic newsroom that is collaborative, um, that bounces ideas off each other, where people rely on each other a lot. Um, 
the way to get through change is to be very open about things, to talk about things a lot. Um, and, you know, we've, I've, I've been in that newsroom when we have been through um, transforma- transformations like this before. And um, for many people, um, you know, for many people, it actually kind of fits in with their lives in a way. Like for everybody, for each individual, um, they'll have a different response to it. And, you know, for many people, change is hard. And for me, change is hard. You know, I, I say I'm excited about it, and I am. Um, I'm actually quite open to change. Um, I'm a journalist. I like new things. I'm always after the new angle to the story. In a way, you know, this is a bit similar. I'm the future. The future is really interesting. I think, and and I'm I'm approaching it in a very you know I'm I'm very open to what the future might bring, um, and I think you know. Everybody deals with it in their own way, but I can tell you that within the newsroom there is a lot of support, there are a lot of conversations going on, and, you know, we're in it together. Um, It's always been a great thing about the Herald newsroom is how open we are. You know, it's it's not a very hierarchical structure. Um, Ideas are welcome, thoughts are welcome, and we are very supportive of each other. And that's still the case. And so how has the newsroom settled after the big announcement? I mean, it's been a month now, so... Well, we're still in a consultation process and that's, um, and that's not over and lots of consulting has been going on. So, you know, I'm, I'm not aware of, um, of what the results of that will be. Um, I think, you know, that will become apparent in the next, you know, week or so. So I think we'll wait and see what that brings. Sure. And so, like I mentioned before this, you are the news director. So what does that role comprise of? Well, as a news director, um, I was – it, it was quite a – yeah, funny thing. Um, about five years ago, six years ago maybe, uh, we went – we realised that we needed to radically change the newsroom to cope with the future. Um, uh Sort of historically, the newsroom had developed where there was there had been a print editor, and the newsroom reported to that print editor. And then, when our homepage was established, um, a, you know, twenty years ago, uh, there was a separate staff that was um, put in under the sort of digital arm of the newsroom, and they were essentially separate. And as as the internet got bigger, um, you know, there, there was more collaboration between them, but they were still separate. And so about six years ago, we exploded everything um, and we actually got rid of the title of editor, um, partly to sort of, you know... Well, it, it, anyway, we we came up with this structure where the news director was in charge of basically the newsroom and content creation and then the editor-in-chief had platform editors reporting through to that position. Um, and that actually, that was, you know, amazing. The newsroom embraced that very quickly, um, very rapidly. So, uh, you know, print editors, you know, we'd be producing stories that would be going online immediately and they would then be reversed into print and packaged in a way that actually suited our print audience. And it was amazing how you could read a story 
you know, initially, how you could read a story online, you know, at three o'clock in the afternoon and then see it in the paper the next day. It could be essentially the same story, but you would get a different feeling from it because it was on a different platform. You would get a different understanding from it. And um, and that is, you know, we were still doing some things specifically for print, you know, that um, because we value our print audiences enormously. Um, and I suppose this change recognises that that cultural change of that digital was once separate and print was king has has had an effect. And so now I'm editor of the Sydney Morning Herald in, you know, across all of its, um, all of its platforms. Um, my principal focus, I have to say, is basically the homepage. So, you know, our, our audiences are, you know, once... Our homepage is going 24 hours a day. We're now staffing it 24 hours a day. We have an editor in charge of it 24 hours a day. Um, even between the hours of 1 a.m. and 5 a.m., that homepage is changing. We are writing stories for our audiences. I have breaking news reporters across, across 24 hours a day. And what our digital audiences need, I am driving our newsroom to provide. And so I'm in touch always with what the audience is doing. I'm seeing what they're doing on our homepage, on our mobile sites. And, and I'm thinking about the angles that they need to keep their interest in that story going, what answers they need provided. Um, and then, but I'm also very much aware of how our newspaper looks, you know, of that newspaper that arrives on people's desk. Um, on on their breakfast table in the morning, on their iPads um, in the digital edition that they're reading on the bus on their way to work. And so it brings everything together again. You know, the Sydney Morning Herald is one entity. Um, You know, that masthead across all of those platforms is is what I'm worried about. I can I can see someone peeping in often. I think the meeting room's been booked. So last few questions for you. So how has your experience as the news director helped you take on the role as the editor? Because from the sounds of it, they seem to be a little bit similar. Look, they are very similar. Um, it's interesting, though. Nobody quite knew what a news director was. Everybody knows what an editor is. Um, and that's actually made a difference, you know, sort of outside the Herald, really. Yeah. And so my million-dollar question is that... What's what's the like Dan Goodsir is the editor in chief. Mm. You are the editor. Mm. How do your roles differ, and how do you work together? We work together very well. We're a terrific team, actually. Um, he's a great boss, um, and we bounce a lot of ideas off each other. Um, look, Darren. Darren is in. Darren's the big Kahuna. You know, he's he's the person in charge, and I'm basically his two IC. When he is not there. Um, you know, I can I can step into his role. When I'm not there, he can step into my role. I suppose I'm still more more sort of operations. You know, I'm I'm on the floor a bit more. I'm going to more news conferences. Darren's dealing with other parts of the business and and also with external people a bit more than I am. I suppose that's slightly the difference. Um, uh, but you know, when he's not here, I can do what he does. And again, when I'm not here, he can do what I do. I do. Um, but yeah, that that would be, you know, I'm I'm a bit I'm I'm more engaged in the kind of, you know, from the ground up reporting, more of the you know, and and commissioning more of the stories just practically. Cool. We'll have to wrap this up. So real quick, um, what what did you do before you became the editor of? So what's your journey been like in media? 
Oh, well, I was a cadet 30 years ago at the Sydney Morning Herald. Um, and in that time, I've been a foreign correspondent in New Zealand. Um, I've been a features, feature writer. Um, I worked in London for a little while, um, took leave without pay and worked for the um, Telegraph over there, the Sunday Telegraph. Um, I've been a health writer, transport writer. Um, and or you know, and then once I moved into editing, I suppose the big thing I did for a long time was I was the Good Weekend editor. Um, after that, I became the Saturday paper editor, and then the news director, and now the editor. Well, my last question: What's been your most memorable Sydney Morning Herald story in the last six months? Oh, sorry, what was that question again? Uh, what's been your most memorable Sydney Morning Herald story in the last six months? Oh, gee, I'm thinking about yesterday and tomorrow. Um, <laughs> most memorable. Um, gee, in the last six months. Well, probably actually the, um, probably the terrorist attacks in Paris, in fact. Um, those big events bring the newsroom together in an amazing way um, and our extraordinary correspondent Nick Miller um, filed some immensely moving coverage from there. Um, we've also had in the last six months some amazing pieces from Adele Ferguson. Um, I'd say they were this, yeah, look I'd have to look back over. There is so much <laughs> on in my head at the moment that I can't pull that answer straight out of my head. <laughs> Judith, thank you so much for taking your time to chat to Media Week and once again happy birthday to Sydney Morning Herald. Thank you. You are listening to Media Week podcast and please stay tuned.